Welcome to Knock Talk, North of Center's podcast about the challenges of leading in a world that operates at the speed of send. During this episode, Knock CEO Cliff W. Gilmore and Knock COO BJ Fitzpatrick Jr. discuss what to do when your boss hates a member of your team. Hello and welcome to Knock Talk, where we do what we can to help leaders navigate successfully through a world that operates at the speed of send. I am Cliff W. Gilmore, CEO of North of Center. I'm, I'm here B- with BJ Fitzpatrick, COO of North of Center. And today we wanted to talk about the boss hates someone on my team. It happens. I've had it happen to me. And, and there's a couple different ways you're going to find out about that. One, you're going to be in your initial brief with the boss and they're going to say, whatever you do, don't let that person brief me. Or this person, you better watch them. Or you're going to hear from your team. Or worst case scenario, you could be giving a brief and you can see that the boss has a complete different reaction when this person stands up to, to brief and you find out about it post-mortem. That's a horrible time to find out this thing. It happens. It's real. There's personalities. We're all people. Those kind of things happen. And, and it's something you have to deal with. So Cliff and I thought we'd talk about that today. Indeed. You, you have um, two, two basic, basic ways that that situation can come up for you. As, as BJ said, it can be when you just come into a leadership position and you're just getting oriented on your team and you're going to hear things from all over your organization about different members of your team. In an ideal world, you're stepping into an awesome team and everybody's just like, hey, great, great team, good job, way to go, be excited. But in a more real world, you're going to get feedback and personality impressions and, and all of that about your team members from, from numerous vectors, including from your boss, you know, peers, colleagues, subordinates, whatever. You're even going to get it from within your team. And when you do that, there's a certain approach you need to take to be sure that you're taking time to get oriented you're getting to know your people on your own grounds and, and building the relationship on your own terms. That's, that's one sort of uh, a problem set when it comes to the, my boss hates somebody on my team scenario. The other one is when somebody on your team flat out just tanks something uh, or does something that either grates on somebody's personality or is a, objectively speaking, a grievous error, puts them on the skyline where, you know, they... If they're not fired immediately, then then you're left with, okay, I've got somebody here who really screwed up and what are we going to do about that? You know, that first part, if you're coming into a new team and you're learning about your team members, uh, my, uh, my working advice to folks on that when I'm uh, coaching, in fact, I am coaching a client who's in a similar situation right now, is to really just concentrate on building your own relationships, both with your boss and with your team members and colleagues, so that you can develop that full understanding of your team members what they are, what their abilities are, what their background and context is. And you just really need to get those, those relationships established and make your own decisions about what those relationships are going to be. If you, you know your own people and their abilities, their strengths and their weaknesses, that gives you the room to start navigating the relationships between your team and other members of your organization. Now, if you have a giant catastrophe, that's a different scenario. And that one ties very heavily into into the trust that you have built within your team already. And one of the first decisions that you have to make if you have somebody who who has really tanked something hard is, are they done or are they recoverable? And ideally, within a team, you've built an environment where if somebody makes a mistake, even if it's an epic mistake, one, you're in a position to accept responsibility and and frankly, to take the blame. I've, I've talked before in other podcasts here about, you know, being ready to praise in public, punish in private, 
and being in a position to take the caning for your team members, to provide them the top cover that they need to make mistakes. And that if, if you're providing good guidance, advice, and direction, you're giving them freedom to make decisions and they make a mistake, an honest, legitimate mistake within that guidance and within your intent, then as a leader, you've got to have that trust relationship built where you protect it, you defend it, and you do what you can to help them recover. If you're going to keep them, then you're going to have some rebuilding to do. You're going to need to make some decisions then, and that's where the two scenarios start to merge. Uh, Whatever it is that's created the tension between your boss and one of your team members, you're going to have to get the context of that, understand what it is, and probably at some point have a conversation with your boss about that employee and figure out where you stand and and what the ground is that you you are standing on when it comes to the the organization's goals for that employee. I I tend to come into a a leadership position with, uh, from a fairly, fairly high ideals kind of perspective of, you know, my role as a leader is to help people build people, help them grow, let them learn from mistakes. And that's, that's sort of my default position, but you do need to Also keep in mind that relationship you have with your boss and get to know them and understand what they think. If they flat out have decided that it's time for an employee to go and that's what you're up against, then you're going to need to find out how to navigate that ground. But you do need to find out as early as possible, what's your boss thinking? Are they just grumpy about one of your team members or have they made decisions that you are now going to have to help carry out along the way? Before I hand the mic over to BJ, I will use one example from a client I'm working with now who he was, he was promoted uh, from among his peers to lead a team. The team of teams was restructured and the team he was given included somebody who was about to receive a personal, a personal improvement plan or a PIP. And my client's job, one of my client's jobs as the new leader in that position was then to deliver that personal improvement plan. Now within this particular organization, there's the ideal of a PIP, which is you've got somebody who's struggling and a PIP is the tool you use to build them up and keep them strong within the, the, the organization. Unfortunately, in some circumstances, that PIP is also essentially a, a human relations or an HR tool that essentially signifies the path towards exit. And you'll need to work then with your boss and with HR and make sure that you're synced up and you know exactly what their policies are, exactly what their procedures are. And again, you, under, you need to understand what is the objective on the end. If you have room as a leader to build them and grow them through their error uh, and to get them to be successful within the organization, that's going to be one leadership strategy you need to develop. If you are flat out being told, this person is on their way out the door, we're laying that groundwork, you need to know and understand that. Both of those are incredibly complicated things to navigate as a leader, but you need to start by understanding what ground you're on from the beginning. And then I'll hand the mic over to BJ and see what thoughts he's got to share. I couldn't help it, Cliff. Something that went just went through my mind is the scene from uh, Heartbreak Ridge where Gunny Highway takes out the Swede. He knocks him down, and the, the Swede, who's actually on LinkedIn, he does, he's a fitness guy now. He was a fitness guy then. He says, where are you going? And the Swede goes, I'm going outside to wait for the MPs to come pick me up and take me back to jail. And Gunny Highway goes, no, you're not. Get your stuff on and get outside. We're going in formation. And embarked on a reclamation project and which is where I was going with this because uh, that's kind of my tendency too. I go towards the reclamation projects, especially if you don't know someone, you're trying to build your reputation. They're trying to build their reputation. You're new to the team. They're new to you. And, and you go back and forth. What do you do? Do you start with a clean slate? There are some things that 
if the person is staying around, let's say you work for the government, let's say in the military, you and I were just talking about the story where, you know, you never put that particular young correspondent in front of the, the general because that was just not going to ever work out. And, and you had the wherewithal to do that. That's not a reclamation project. That's a keep this person out of more trouble project, uh, probably. But there's the reclamation project. What am I going to do? What kind of plan am I going to embark on to help this person reclaim what they might have had before, whatever caused me to find out that they were on the boss's bad side? I, I didn't need to do that. You know, do, you, do you start with the clean slate? Do you, do you ask the employee directly, hey, what's behind this issue? It depends on the, the relationship you had and how much it's out in the open. If you've heard it from four people, then you can probably ask the employee because it, it's a big deal in the office. Or do you just go straight with what the boss said? I think you're going to Neapolitan this one. You're going to catch a little bit of all the flavors in that scoop and, and probably use a whole lot of those things as you work your way through it. You, you don't need to get to that person presenting the big project to the boss next week. This is going to be a long thing. There's some downsides to that. You got to do an estimate of what time you have. And you've got to figure out, is there something behind all this? And, and, and is this something I'm going to regret moving on too early and, and see where that employee is? But probably one of those things you're going to have to do is talk to that person. There's, a, there's another part of this. If you go with the, the straight white knight course of action and you're a leader, you have a high chance of failing when you jump on this person and try to help them out. So you got to be kind of careful of that. You, you got to play it pretty, pretty easy. Give them some responsibility. Give them an opportunity to, to move on and, and do some good things and reclaim that. But at the same time, there might be a reason they got there in the first place. And, and if they're not going anywhere, you have time to bring them along and, and get a good estimate of what's going on beyond day one, week one, month one. That's serious. I'm, I'm reminded of... Uh two competing number one priorities that, uh, that, that leaders are dealing with at all times. And, and those priorities are mission accomplishment and, and the welfare of your people. And you've got to be struggling constantly to, to keep those things balanced out. And, and certainly the easy out when you have somebody stumble is to just remove the problem. And especially in, uh, you know, in those states, which is most of them, where, where there's a, a no-fault termination opportunity there, you, you, don't even, you, know, you don't have an obligation to keep somebody and work them through a problem. There's a difference between the legal obligations or requirements when it comes to firing and termination versus the, the ethical and, and arguably moral responsibilities as a leader to help someone get through a problem. But when you're balancing out that, those two things, those two competing number one priorities, mission accomplishment and the welfare of your people, uh, there may be times when you look at the mission and you look at the person and you say, it's, there's just not enough time. Either I don't have the bandwidth where there's not enough time before the next deliverable, or it's just not going to work out. And, and this person has, has either failed so dramatically or proven themselves incapable to a point where you just plain need to let them go. But again, I come into most of my leadership attempts, and, and every leadership thing I've done is an attempt. Some of those attempts have worked well, and some of them not so well. In all cases, Ditto. I've learned and grown from them. Ditto. Um, but, uh, but, but leadership is an ongoing attempt. I come at it from the perspective of helping people uh, learn and build and grow. And if you have the room to do that, it's, it's a hard decision. Uh, it, it has to be calculated against the needs of your organization and your ability of your, your organization and your specific team to do the things that need to be done on time and under budget. But if you have the time, if you can 
free that time up as a leader to help develop somebody and get them past uh, a stumble, that's where you will build not only a reputation as a strong leader and a trusted leader, but you'll also help build the organization as a whole and its reputation as an organization that, that pulls people together and creates teams that work well together and helps build folks. That's where sort of the idealism for me is, is a default to building as opposed to a default to firing. Is if, if your organization gets a reputation for chewing people up and spitting them out, in the long term, that's not going to help your organization. Uh, and that does incidentally tie to the, the enduring truths of communication-based leadership. Uh, we, we have four of those. One of those is that everything we do is a communication activity, and therefore you can't not communicate. And that's sort of the driver behind communication-based leadership. Uh, we also have the truth that your capacity to, do, you know, to communicate is limited. There's only so much time and, and space and bandwidth to, to do that. And I touched on those truths indirectly when I, was, when I talked about that decision and that balance between mission accomplishment and the welfare of your people. But we move down into the other two cornerstone truths of of communication-based leadership. One of them is that our capacity to communicate is finite. And the other is that, oh, no, I did get out of myself. I repeated the two I'm thinking of. Hey, you know, we all stumble. Um, One of my own leadership philosophy cornerstones, by the way, is that nobody is perfect. And so I just demonstrated that one right up front. Uh, But the other two cornerstones that are really powerful when it comes to communication-based leadership, these cornerstone truths that are, are constant is that leadership is about relationships and that enduring leadership success requires trust. That is, success over time requires that you build trust. Let me use firing someone as, as a, a near-term example there of, of, of that truth in play. You can fire somebody quickly and get them out of the picture. So they're gone. They're removed. Doing that creates a ripple effect throughout the rest of the organization and particularly throughout a team that you're leading directly. And it may be that the firing was the right thing and that's what the rest of the team needed to see, particularly if you're dealing with an ethics or legal violation. It, it can be as simple as, no, that's, that's our no tolerance area. And the right thing to do for your whole team is to show them that you will not tolerate certain behaviors. But more often than not, what you're dealing with is a person who's stumbling for whatever reasons. And if you just, they stumble and you launch them, then what you have is that effect on your team and the trust that, that you're influencing there and the environment you're creating, that culture that you're creating of doubt and concern and potentially even flat out fear that a mistake will result in someone going away and being disappeared. So those truths come into play. Uh, those communication-based leadership truths very much come into play with how you are working with an employee that's, that's struggling and particularly an employee that has the attention of your boss in a not good way. BJ, you want to take the mic? Anything else on your mind now that I've rambled for a few minutes? I got to see one of those. In, in a rare behind-the-scenes look, I watched one of these things happen. It was really weird. I was getting my first job out of the Marine Corps, and I was working for the government and I was offered the job. Great. I had a start date and my start date was Monday in two weeks, let's say. I got a call from somebody that worked in the office that I was going to be the boss of. And he said, we have this big event coming up. I'm not telling you you have to go. I'm not telling you you should go, but I'm saying it's here. and We won't have another one for six months if you wanted to come see it. Now, I'm a big boy. If I want to go, I can go. I know I'm not being paid everything else. So, I go there and I'm walking around. So my mistake, 
and I had a mistake. Once the big boss came in and I introduced myself to her instead of keeping my mouth shut, since I had nothing to do, I just sat there and I was going around team. I introduced myself to her. That was the ripple in the pond, you know, the, the cannonball into the pond that sent off the ripple. And so as I come in, my boss, who is one below the boss I introduced myself to, she tells me how bad it was for this person to have done that. And she can't believe it. And he's a terrible person. And, and I can't believe he inter- invited you to this. So I'm sitting there. I've got this employee who's got this problem, just like we're talking about, except I participated and now he got there. <laughs> so luckily I knew I was part of the problem. My dumb move didn't help him out even a little bit. And so I rolled in, turns out great guy, heart of gold, always trying to do the right thing for the team. And, and it was never a problem, but I got to watch the anatomy of a boss not liking someone and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and then be thrust into that position where I kind of tried to have, help him. And, and I did these things. Uh, we talked about it. He said, Oh yeah, I got in big trouble for that. And then I said, I'm sorry. He goes, ah, whatever. And, and we, and we went through and try to put him in position to uh, have success in projects and, and show what a smart person he was and how dedicated to the team he was and kind of rebuild that reputation from that one event so they could help him out. I could see that. Uh, I could see that happening. Uh, I've been in a couple of similar situations, and that's not fun. There, your your stomach closes up right about the moment you realize you've been invited into something at the wrong time, wrong place, and uh, and you made the wrong decision. The uh, you know another thing that comes to mind. Won't share the whole story on it, but there's a, a humility humility factor at play here, where you know no matter how dedicated you are to building somebody up. And no matter how much skill and experience you have, it may just come time that you do have to let somebody go. You, you know, you can, you can come into a new position, learn your people and learn their abilities, their strengths or weaknesses, learn their relationships, you get a sense of which one the boss wants, you know, which ones the boss likes and doesn't. Incidentally, I've also walked into scenarios where the boss absolutely loved one of my team members and it was painfully obvious right from the beginning that that's the only thing that team member had going for them. And that's an incredibly challenging leadership situation. It's called the halo effect, right? Yeah, yeah, the halo effect kicking where where that one person is a favorite, but everybody else on the team knows that that that's the only thing protecting them from what would otherwise be a you know a reprimand or a firing. But but where I'm going is I, I had one one particular person where you know at the time I was leading them, I had roughly fifteen to twenty years of good quality leadership experience across a wide range of teams and environments and organizations. <clears throat> and I'd, I'd finished my master's in organization management and leadership. I was, I was pretty cranked up about myself. I was like, yeah, I've got all this experience. I can, you know, I can lead. Um, man. I'm, I'm it. And I encountered this one employee where I went in with the idealism of, I want to build them. I want to fix them. And, and it took about six months to get to where that, that person had to leave. And the humbling part of that was I used my whole kit bag full of leadership tools and techniques. I used just all every trick that I knew. I, I used uh, deliberate planning. I, I, I used getting into micromanagement because I thought that might actually save the person. Um, I, I got into, you know, uh, you know, collaborative work, buddying them up with a mentor. That one wasn't working out. And I eventually got to a point where I was using direct language and butt chewing. And, and that didn't shock anybody at all. And, and it, was, uh, it was one of those moments when I realized once I'd gotten to that, 
Uh, one, it, it was no surprise in retrospect that, that chewing someone out, didn't, chewing this person out didn't work. There are times, of course, you know, if you're the most mellow person in the world and you deliberately chew someone out at the right time, right place, they go, oh, and, and it sends the message and then you rebuild the relationship and life is good. In this particular case, all I did was broadcast loud and clear to this person that I had finally run out of tricks and that I was now starting to take it personal. And in the end, uh, we did have to let that person go. And, oh, man, that was so, so humbling. Uh, I almost used the word humiliating. And in a sense, it was. I, there I was, all this years of experience, all the academic background in it, every tool in my kit bag, and none of it worked. And it was so disappointing. But also, as we mentioned there, you have the, the risk of reputation uh, as a leader when you, you really commit to trying to help somebody that maybe other folks don't want helped. And in that particular case, I was fortunate that it worked out that I, I stayed, I maintained the relationship with my boss. My boss knew there was a problem with that employee. I kept my boss in, uh, in touch with what I was doing and when and how, my different plans, my different efforts. And so in that particular case, as humbling as it was for me to fail and ultimately have to let this employee go, I, I don't want to say this like I was concerned about my reputation. That wasn't a priority. But in this particular case, in the end of this, the way I approached this by maintaining good communication and, and strong relationships with my team and with my boss, at the end, when I had to make the go decision to get rid of this employee, it, it, it helped my reputation as a leader. The, the rest of the team watched as I had done everything I could to try and build this person up. My boss watched all of my efforts, and we were all in agreement eventually that, now this person needs to go. Would it have been easier on the front end when I first started into this position to say, oh, wait, this is a rough employee that we've got enough. Yeah, get rid of him. Yeah, that would have made that six months a lot easier in a lot of ways. But in the end, it was far more beneficial to my growth as a leader and my team's reputation that, that we, and trust within my team that we worked through that as best we could. And it was absolutely essential that both my boss and the rest of my team members knew that I had used every tool that I could in an attempt to try and build somebody. Uh, that was a very powerful thing. It was an exhausting six months, but I don't know that I would do it a different way than I did it in that case. Uh, so I, I would offer, Cliff, that a thousand of those six months becomes worth it when you sit down with one person and they say, I'm having this problem, and you say, oh my goodness, we can work through that. And that person actually, maybe it's a home problem, maybe it's a, a different kind of problem, and when they actually can come out about it and then deal with it. And I've seen this poor performer. It was in a school environment and we sent him to a, to a board to talk about his performance and talk about kicking him out. And that's where he, he didn't tell this to me, but when this board finally sat down, talked to him, spent the time and he said, I'm having family problems. And when they worked on that and when they helped him with the situation that he was in and, and you know, driving a long way and doing this and everything else that was, that was compounding, his performance went up and it was a fantastic thing. So all those failures are, are worth it when, when you pick that one horse and, and that, that person makes the improvement, goes, goes with what you were looking for is, is to help them out and, and have, be a good member of the team. Indeed. So we have two branches that we talked about, two ways that this sort of situation generally will start. Either you're moving into it as a new leader or something happens when you're established as a leader um, and it creates, it creates a, it puts one of your, your team members on the skyline with your boss. 
and there are some some things that you can do to some deliberate steps that you can take to work that one through. Um, you can really concentrate first and foremost on your relationships, both with that individual and with your boss and have good open conversations to figure out, all right, where are we? Uh, what, what's the, what's the actual goal here and how can you get synced up in the case of the uh, employee that I talked about took about six months before we finally concluded it was time to fire him. I had that conversation on the front end with my boss. So, okay. So talk to me where, where am I now as the leader coming into this what are your thoughts, boss, on what needs to happen here? My approach, and I told him, was my, my going in approach is, I think there's someone here we're, we're salvaging. I think it's going to take a lot of work. It's going to include some failures along the way. Um, but that's the approach that I think is best to take. And is that the right approach? Do you agree? And in that case, I had the backing of my boss to make the effort. Didn't mean that every <laughs> the, the, the waterfall... <laughs> Of, of errors that happened over that six month period uh, were easy or forgiven or forgivable. <laughs> but, but it did mean that I was synced up with my boss in that effort. If my boss had said flat out, I don't like this, this person, I want him gone as soon as we can. And I went back to my office and started working on a plan to recover them, a, you know, a, a reclamation project, I would have been working at odds with my boss. And that's not a good thing. You need to, you need to be synchronized there and make sure that you understand. Even if you're synchronized, next thing that you can do, though, is take a look at when you put that employee uh, into situations where they're going to be interfacing with your boss. If you know there's a problem there, even if you're synced up with your boss, you can make deliberate steps to just make sure that you're not putting that person into positions where while you're working on them, you're setting them up to further display their shortfalls. Keep it simple early. Keep it simple early. Nice. (laughs) You know, one sentence on one slide. Please don't mess this up. Mm-hmm. No, it's, a, it's a brief. Keep it that way. If you're synced with your boss and you know what's going on with that, and then you can lay that plan out, and then you can still take those efforts to make sure that you're not putting that person out where, where while they're stumbling, it's going to be, they're going to be visible and seen all the time during that stumbling. You can create the situations where you put them into opportunities to succeed and to shine. And really what you're doing there is working on not only rebuilding that individual as, as a, a team member, but rebuilding their relationship with your boss. If you have somebody who's got your boss's attention for the wrong reasons, that's a relationship project that you need to be working on. And, and you can do that along the way. You know, there's a whole range of tools that you can use to help, building pe- uh, help build people. Uh, that's, we've touched on some, but that's the underlying theme of all of our podcasts is how to, how to build folks successfully as a leader. So I won't dig into all of the kit bag tools that I, that I use to try and help that one person, for example, but you can lay that plan out. You can, you can make that decision that, Hey, we're going to try and work with them. Now, when it comes to setting that plan up though, that's also a relationship piece there. That's communicating clearly with the employee who's struggling, getting a sense of what they think their shortfalls are, getting a sense of what they want to accomplish And that's absolutely vital too. If you want to help somebody build, grow, and succeed, and they're already done and looking for the door, you might as well have that conversation right up front. Because if you're trying to save somebody who doesn't want to be saved, that's just frustrating everybody. That conversation has to happen. And the plan you build for reclamation, if you will, has to be a plan that's built in tandem with the employee you're trying to help, uh, with, with the person that you're trying to lead to a better place. And there then that clear communication comes out where you need to be setting good, clear expectations of, of what's, what you want your, that employee to do, uh, what success looks like, what failure looks like, 
And, and you track that along the way and you have regular check-ins and you have to have had a discussion with both your boss and the employee where they know and understand how they're being evaluated. So at the end, whether you keep them or send them down the road, nobody is surprised by that. And that is ultimately one of the most powerful things for the health of a team as a whole is that you do make a plan. If you're going to be a, you know, high idealist and try to help build somebody back up, that's, that's well and good. And you can get a reputation as a trusted leader who wants to do that, who puts people first. But you also have to have the plan in place with the markers where if that person doesn't succeed, then they know and understand that it's time to go and that nobody's surprised when that message is delivered. Absolutely. And we didn't go into, and we won't since we're up on time, the employee who doesn't think they have a problem, sometimes violently so, and I don't mean violently, but they're convinced that it's not their fault and not their problem. That, that becomes an insurmountable wall and actually usually sometimes takes longer because there's the fight, there's the HR thing going on, there's all that. And not something we're probably going to get into today, but it is one of the options that, because I've seen it, you've seen it. Uh, BJ, I think that'd be an excellent topic for a future podcast where uh, we do talk through, we talk through that exact topic, which is where, where you have a problem employee who doesn't think they're a problem uh, or who thinks the problem is somewhere else. Yep. And uh, that's an entire process as well as figuring out how to get through to them uh, and how to recognize the point when you're not going to get through. And, and then at some point, you, you just, you're just delivering news while a decision's been made. Even in that situation, you have to know and understand when the decision is yours, when the decision belongs to your boss, and whether the boss has already made a decision and it's just sort of uh, floating out there waiting to be executed so that you make sure if you're investing, t- investing time trying to help build somebody up and get them to success, not wasting your time. I mean, it's, it's rarely a waste of time to help build somebody up. But if your boss has already made a decision, then you need to know what that decision is so that you can be working within that decision and keep your team uh, keep your team in as best order as possible. Hard to believe we burned 30 minutes already. Um, no, it's not. It's not hard to believe. I'm a talker. I can kill 30 minutes easy. I uh, just pull my chatty Kathy string and off I go. Uh, but we will wrap it up here. BJ, thanks very much for your time with us. Uh, everyone listening in out there, thanks for investing your time with this conversation. We hope it was helpful to you and we look forward to having you join us in a future Knock Talk podcast. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks, everybody. If you enjoyed this episode of Knock Talk, please recommend us to friends and colleagues who may also find these discussions helpful. To learn more about how communication-based leadership can help you navigate successfully in a world that operates at the speed of send, visit our website at www.northofcenter.com. You can also drop us a line anytime with your leadership questions or to recommend future Knock Talk topics at reachknock at northofcenter.com. That's reachnoc at northofcenter.com. Finally, we want to extend our sincere thanks to Forrest Reed, who produced this episode.